This podcast is brought to you by the Caesar Encyclopedia, which is my own weekly email newsletter. It's the place where I share all the cool things that I've learned throughout my week with my friends around the world. I share the books, podcasts, and interesting people I find that help me enjoy life more. And as I travel the world, I also share my favorite adventure spots, the restaurants that blow my mind, and how my view of the world has changed that week. The newsletter is completely free. It comes out only once a week, and it's only available for those who sign up by email. You can sign up using the link in this episode's show notes or by using the link in my Instagram bio. Let's get learning. Hey everyone, I just wanted to give a quick message before we get started. My guests today are from the Fireside Project, and the Fireside Project is running the world's first psychedelic peer support line. You'll learn a lot more about it during this episode, but basically, it's a number that you can call or text when you're tripping, if you need support, tripping on their psychedelics. And right now, they're running a fundraiser to help support the work that they're doing. Um, Dr. Bronner's is actually going to match every donation they get up to $50,000. So if you want to help them continue to run this hotline and continue to grow the community that they're growing, you can go to firesideproject.org and click on the Donate Now button. The fundraiser goes until tomorrow 11 30 2021 so that's november 30th 2021 and i hope you enjoy this episode and if you do go ahead and go donate to support what they're doing welcome to the dose of caesar the podcast for world travelers and lifelong learners my guests today are katie burke i'm sorry katie i didn't ask you what uh how to pronounce your last name did i pronounce it correctly bork bork my apologies katie bork and wesley Wesley, can you pronounce your last name for me? Balanka. Balanka? Balanka. Balanka. Wesley Balanka and Katie Bork, who are both um, from the Fireside Project. Katie is the operations and outreach director at the Fireside Project. And uh, Wesley, you said you were a supervisor under um, Katie, correct? That's correct. Awesome. Awesome. So what is the Fireside Project, guys? The Fireside Project is a nonprofit that operates the world's first ever psychedelic peer support hotline, and it's aimed to help people navigate their psychedelic experiences. So they provide support by phone, text message, and live chat to people who are, who are tripping currently, whose friends are tripping, and to people who want to integrate with their past experiences with psychedelics. Um, the psychedelics, when I found out about this, I found it through um, Michael Pollan's uh, newsletter, Microdose. And um, the, I, I got really excited because through my psychedelic experiences, um, I was very lucky to have uh, people to guide me who have had a lot of experience in that. But I know that if I had done it alone, wow, what uh, I don't know how that would have ended up. So I think what you guys are doing is, is it's really good work because um, not a lot of people have you know, the, the support that I had. And I wanted to ask you, well, first get to know how um, you, Wesley, and Katie got involved with the Fireside Project. Um, we can start with Wesley, if you'd like. Sure. Um, thank you, Caesar, for having us on. Um, I'm relatively new to Fireside Project, uh, about two months now. But I've been in the psychedelic field for about six years. Um, I'm also a psychedelic journalist with the website psychedelictimes.com, and I've been a psychedelic preparation and integration coach for many years as well. Um, 
when I saw the Fireside Project uh, get started, um, I was immediately super impressed. And I think it's such an important piece of the network of support that we can offer people who are experimenting with these substances. And uh, we need to build up our cultural aptitude, right, with these ancient and uh, modern medicines. And they're not without risk. And so it's a it's a real honor being part of Fireside. I think it's so amazing that it's free and available to anyone who needs it. Thank you, and Katie. How did you how did you start uh, with Fireside? Yeah, so I have been doing some form of peer support for over a decade and have worked in a lot of different um, types of mental health services, including managing a support line in the past. Um, and I actually joined one of the volunteer Q&A sessions, uh, got involved as an ambassador for Fireside Project, doing uh, work around outreach and trying to connect with other national support lines, and then came on board as the operations and outreach director in June. Awesome. Awesome. So with that, Katie, could you explain in your words, how would you explain to someone who doesn't know anything about the Fireside Project what you guys do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so people can call. So we're open seven days a week from three to three Pacific time. And folks can call or text um, if they are having a psychedelic experience or after a psychedelic experience. So the only thing we don't offer, um, you know, we don't offer pre-trip advice. Um, and we actually have an application that you can download in iOS or Android um, that is makes it really simple to do that. So it's just a very streamlined application. It just says Fireside Project, call or text, just two different buttons. Um, so it, it helps folks, especially if you are tripping, um, to easily reach us. That's awesome. Wait, so do you do you all currently have an app or no, is it just a website right now? We do have an app, so you can go into the app store and actually download the app to call or text us. And I should actually add too that we support folks that are trip sitting um, okay. as well. Yeah, and um, you guys began in April. Was that when you guys started um, the Fireside Project? Yeah, that's when the line opened. So actually on November 17th was the first initial meeting. Everyone was very excited uh, two days ago for the um kind of the anniversary of just the initial panel conversation about Fireside Project starting. And then the line actually officially launched in April. Um, and then we actually went, that was, it was open five days a week starting in April. And then we recently went seven days a week within the last um, like month and a half. Wow. And before this, there was nothing like this, right? This was like the first support line in the US or in the world as well? As far as I know, in, in the world. Yeah. And how many people a day do you all, uh, or how many calls a day do you guys get or a week? I don't know what stats you, you had, or if you have any, and just a rough estimate. Uh, yeah. So we recently hit over a thousand calls and we've been open since April. Wow. Um, I don't know, Wesley, if you want to kind of comment on the kind of the flow of the, the line, I think it ranges by, you know, it ranges by day, but we recently did hit a thousand calls. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, every shift is a little bit different. Uh, there'll be stretches of time where we won't get any calls or texts, and then there'll be um, people will trickle in, and then moments of people flooding in. Um, we noticed Halloween weekend there were very very we were very busy with calls, <laughs> um, so it's kind of funny having a, a front lines perspective of um, you know when people are approaching these substances. Um, but it, it varies quite a bit, and I'm sure that the, the volume is going to continue to increase as more and more people become aware of this because it's such an essential resource. 
Gotcha. And so what would the process be like uh, if somebody calls in, what can they expect? Um, you know, if they're tripping, is it just uh, someone I, I did call in yesterday and, um, and I just wanted you guys to explain a little bit of what they can expect when they call in. I know some people might be scared or timid to call in first. Yeah, sure. So um, first and foremost, they can expect a completely anonymous experience. You know, we don't uh, record any information uh, about the calls or any personal data whatsoever. Um, So it is completely anonymous, which is really important, um, especially for certain people. And they'll be met with uh, some very helpful volunteers. We have a connector that acts as kind of an operator for the line and uh, can answer basic questions if that's all the call is. And that sounds like maybe what your experience was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, And if someone is in the midst of a trip or is uh, integrating a trip, then that connector will uh, pass the caller off to one of our other volunteers who will then, you know, whether it's, um, you know, talking on the phone or whether it's texting, they can expect a, a conversation with a trained psychedelic peer support specialist. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I, I did want to stress that people can uh, text in. I feel like that's a, an important thing for people who are kind of afraid to call. But you did mention uh, training, um, which is one of the, I think, the big things that I want to highlight here. On, I was reading in, uh, during my research that you guys actually have a rigorous training par- process for all your volunteers, right? Um, what is that process like and what are how, how are volunteers prepared um, to handle uh, calls? Yeah, the first round of volunteers uh, that came on board in April had an intensive five day training. Mm-hmm. Um, the second round of volunteers, uh, we were trying to um, make it just a little bit more doable for folks, especially as it's a volunteer opportunity. So we had a two day intensive training and then a lot of supplemental trainings um, that folks can watch online. Uh, we created like an online training portal for volunteers to, to work through, um, which kind of like tracks progress and um, is a, I think it's a good system system for folks um, to watch all the videos. So it's about 30 hours of um, training altogether. Gotcha. That's awesome. And did you both go through the training as well? Yes, I I did the volunteer training. And then um, Wesley, you kind of did a little bit of a different training than some of the the original volunteer training because the the three supervisor positions that we just filled actually started after this most recent round of hiring. Um, So we haven't gone through the, you know, another volunteer round of hiring yet. Um, But supervisors were also trained. It was just a little bit of a different training. Okay. Gotcha. A mix of volunteer training and supervisor specific training. Um, If certain issues need to get escalated, how to handle that and, and, and things of that nature. That's awesome. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask because um, we've been talking a lot about volunteers. Are and I know you guys are are looking for volunteers, and you have an ambassador program. Um, could you guys expand on how people can get involved um, and the different ways that people can get involved with the organization, or just to support um, mm-hmm. other people who are tripping? Yeah. So we had over four hundred and fifty applicants for the Vermont the. Um, the psychedelic care support line from January of this past year. So our the amount of interest was phenomenal. So we're actually not currently looking for any uh, psychedelic um, 
peer support line volunteers, we are looking for ambassadors and Spark team members. So you can actually go to our website and click how to get involved. And then it gives you a drop down of the job, essentially like the role descriptions for both uh, ambassadors and Spark team members. Ambassadors can be, uh, you know, it's pretty diverse what we're looking for. And I'm also pretty open to what somebody's time commitment looks like. We're saying that we're looking for somebody that can commit to around five hours a week, um, but we're open to uh, we're open to what that looks like. So just examples of some of our ambassadors. Um, we had an ambassador that was actually on fish tour that went to like 16 fish shows and um, like helped spread the word. We have an ambassador for Reddit, although we're looking awesome. for more ambassadors for Reddit as well. Um, we have an ambassador that did deeply to like the festival scene, um, uh, you know, and then we have ambassadors that are actually geographically based. We recently partnered with SSDP. So we're also looking for folks that are involved in college scenes that want to, you know, maybe simultaneously, um, you know, serve as an SSDP member and a fireside project ambassador. And then our spark team uh, position is just kind of somebody that maybe is going to one specific event that wants to spread the word about Fireside, but doesn't maybe have the capacity or interest to do something more long-term. So, um, you know, somebody that's going maybe to one specific festival and wants to help us spread the word. It's more the spark one is like more short-term, right? Uh, if you have ambassadors, a longer-term commitment. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes ambassadors also serve as like spark team members too, but the, the spark team just, um, it's not as intensive. And just to say for the training for that, it's also through that online portal that I mentioned, and it's about a 30 to 45 minute training, just kind of talking about like the role and the scope of the service that we provide. Okay. And is, is there, um, I mean, I assume it's, it's free or do, is there like a fee to pay for the training? No, nope, everything. Yeah, everything is is free. Okay, awesome. Um, another thing I wanted to to touch on was um, I saw that you guys have this fireside equity uh, project, and you all are. I mean, can you explain that uh, for the audience? Um, yep. Yeah, so we uh, we're working on an equity initiative right now. So we're looking to uh, train twenty volunteers. So uh, that I identify with different backgrounds. So um, examples of those backgrounds would be BIPOC folks, uh, trans folks, veterans, um, and we're hoping to um, you know with this equity kind of cohort create a system by which somebody could actually call in and seek support from somebody that identifies um, similar to, to the way that they do. So um, that's, we're hoping to launch that in 2022. Um, and part that's of that awesome. initiative too, is if we can get the funding for it, we would actually like to offer volunteer scholarships uh, to continue doing psychedelic uh, studies. So that would be open to folks um, within the equity um, initiative and then also uh, possibly just folks that are also just volunteering on the support line as well. Um, wow. That, yeah. When I heard about that, the scholarships, I thought that was that was awesome. Um, you you all, both of you, I feel like uh, know much more about the opportunities that are coming up in the uh, psychedelic field. And I know it's in expanding industries. What institutions and universities are you all seeing at the Fireside Project that are kind of leading the charge in um, the psychedelic field where I guess they're setting up their students or people who go work with them for careers in the future? Um, either of you could answer, I don't know who would like to answer. Sure. I can take that. Um, 
It's awesome to say that there's more and more of these opportunities opening up at different learning institutions. Um, the California Institute of Internal Studies has started the sort of the first ever um, psychedelic therapy specific program to train people who want to be psychedelic therapists. And that's for uh, folks that are already um, licensed in some field, um, whether they're therapists or counselors, I think perhaps social workers, um, and also uh, religious chaplains as well, which is pretty interesting. But um, CIIS is at the forefront of that. When it comes to research, um, the big names uh, Johns Hopkins University, Imperial College London, and there's, there's many others too where this research is taking place. Um, and uh, we're also, uh, Katie, maybe you want to talk about UC San Francisco and how we've partnered with them to do some research uh, with our line. Really? Yeah. What is, what is that research? Um, so yeah, so we're working with UCSF. Um, Dr. Rachel Yehuda is one of the people heading the study and we are, um, you know, collecting anonymized data, um, that folks can give us. It's, it's optional at the end of um, a call, uh, we send post-call surveys. Um, so folks can complete those and we gather data if folks uh, choose to submit it. And then uh, we're using that data to kind of show, to research the efficacy of the psychedelic support line service. Um, you know, one of the things we're looking at is uh, calls diverted from emergency services. Somebody mm -hmm. saying, you know, I would have, I would have gone to the emergency room if I didn't have this service. Um, that's just kind of one uh, kind of specific example, but um, yeah, just looking at the efficacy of the service and, and hoping to keep it ongoing and free to everyone, you know, forever. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and what has been surprising to y'all working in it for you, Katie, we can start with you. What's been, what surprised you about, or what have you learned about, you know, psychedelics or people who are, are taking um, psychedelics or just anything in general while working at the fireside project? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is just the diversity and uh, variety of experiences of the volunteers. So, you know, like I had mentioned, there were 450 people that had applied and, you know, we continue to have like people putting it on the radar, like, hey, we're really interested if it if you um, are hiring again in the future. And um, it was a pretty like in a lot of ways, like competitive process to, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the folks that are working on the line are really versed in um, talking about um, psychedelics. And um, I, I think I'm just continually impressed by the volunteers themselves and the diversity of backgrounds that we have and what everybody brings to the table. And you know, I think the equity initiative is like a really great way to kind of think about um, you know, finding kind of a person to talk to that identifies with in, in a similar way to the way you, that you do. Um, yeah, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind for me is just how amazing the volun like the volunteers are. Um, gotcha, gotcha. I, I don't know if I was like surprised by that or not, but I think that's something that I just like really appreciate. And, and in some ways I'm surprised by, I think just the amount of interest and also um, just how wonderful everyone is. No, yeah, I get that because, right, because um, it, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's like an emerging industry. You don't know, um, I mean, at least I didn't, um, how many people are really interested in this, unless you've gone to like a college campus, but around the world, <laughs> um, you don't know who people from all sorts of backgrounds are interested in this. Uh, Wesley, you, you've been involved more on like the call side, right? So I'm interested to hear on what's what's been surprising or interesting that you've learned from calls coming in. You know, you don't have to mention specific stories, but you know, 
the the types of uh, experiences why people are tripping or i don't know just anything that you've learned yeah so what i would say what sticks out the most to me is kind of the universal principles right because as katie mentioned um there's a lot of people that are approaching these substances for different reasons and you'll have people that are having fun uh, people that are in complete terror, you'll have, um, you know, repressed trauma coming up, or you'll just have someone who just wants to chat, because um, it's, you know, it, COVID days, and you're tripping at home by yourself, and you're like, I'd like to share this with someone else. So there's a huge spectrum. Um, what stands out the most to me is the, the basic principles of, of support, which is, you know, as part of the training that, that we undergo, it is so important that we as volunteers don't try and guide uh, people or fix people. It's really about uh, being not there, right? It's about being a mirror. And um, it's so beautiful to see that, you know, in every single case, essentially, that um, holding a loving and, and present space for people to share whatever it is that they're feeling to normalize their experience, you know, if they ask for some tips for grounding, just give them some basic, you know, breath work and, and other things. Um, and just listening, just really reflective listening. It, what it shows to me is that we all have what we're looking for inside of ourselves. And so it's not about us as volunteers really doing much, right? It's not about us and our ego and with someone so that they could receive their own inner guidance that, that stems from within themselves. And that's just a, a really beautiful thing to see again and again. Wow. I love that. Um, you know what you said about it's got to be, you're like a mirror. I love that. Yeah. Because you, I think um, the best guidance that I got was kind of like that when they weren't really telling me what to do, but it's more asking questions, right? And listening. Um, that's, uh, that's incredible. Um, and how would you, where do you think, um, how do you think the, you know, the fireside project and actually just the, all the research that's being done in psychedelics is going to change, um, uh, the future of our country, uh, the United States. Um, I don't know if that's too much of a big question, but I did want to ask, um, we start with, uh, you Katie, or what do you, what big changes do you see coming in the future is, I guess, where I'm getting yeah, so I mean, I think specifically with the research, I think that's largely around um, kind of the medicalization of psychedelics for like mental health, um, like kind of like alternative uh, treatments, if you will. And uh, I think just to say, like with the history of um, the medical model, you know, I think we've we've realized that peer support is a vital piece of that uh, of that system. And having something like Fireside Project, I think, is really vital as psychedelics become medicalized so that folks, um, you know, can receive support from a peer if they're choosing to receive it from, you know, like eventually kind of like more and more psychedelics from, you know, doctors and prescribers. Um, and I think one of the 
the beautiful things, regardless of the research, is that Fireside Project is accessible to anybody, regardless of how they're accessing the psychedelic. So if you're getting it from a doctor, you could talk to, um, you know, we have people calling in from ketamine clinics. You can talk to somebody from Fireside. Um, and also as psychedelics become decriminalized, I think uh, there's more and more need for vital risk reduction services for uh, psychedelic use as well. Gotcha. What about you, Wesley? What do you think? Uh, how is it shaping the future of the country? It's a juicy question. I'll start with things that I'm quite certain of, and then uh, perhaps uh, dally with some things that uh, are more conjecture. Uh, for sure, we're going to see less stigma around this type of, of substance use as the science comes out, as the um, cultural conversation shifts. Um, people will be more open to psychedelics, much in the same way that they're more open to cannabis use these days. Um, it's, it's a very similar trajectory in a lot of ways, right? Where um, a few decades ago, you know, cannabis was demonized and these days uh, laws have changed, perspective has changed and it's seen as a, a medicine, right? Um, so that's for sure gonna happen. I think we'll also for sure see uh, mental health care become revolutionized with much more effective treatments because we've really uh, not had a good way of managing the root causes of post-traumatic stress and depression and anxiety and psychedelics offer an incredible opportunity to get to the roots rather than, you know, treating the symptoms. And then what's treating the symptoms creates more symptoms. And, you know, there's so many stories that I've heard. I've, I've spoken to so many veterans, for example, who have just like cabinets full of prescriptions and, uh, you know, you got to take this, counteract the side effects of that. And you're just a walking pharmacy and it's, it's just serving to basically numb you out, um, rather than addressing the roots. And that's the incredible potential that psychedelics offer is getting to the roots. Now, beyond that, what I would hope to see, and this could be, you know, a five hour long podcast <laughs> in and of itself, but I'd love to see a, um, a reduction in division, you know, one of the um, kind of characteristic experiences is that of, of unity, people realizing unity with nature, um, they are more unified with different parts of themselves that they previously rejected, and there's an increase of empathy, you know, for others and the entire world around them. So it would be wonderful to see uh, the country be able to have an uptick in empathy and a reduction in polarity, which things like social media um, and their algorithms have really, you know, wreaked havoc uh, on the populace with. Um, and beyond that, you know, we've seen a reduction in kind of religion, religiosity and spirituality. Uh, church numbers are way down. And um, another characteristic um, effect of psychedelics is, is some kind of spiritual experience. Uh, however, the person contextualizes it as an, you know, as an atheist, as a Christian, um, as a Buddhist, or, or anything else. Um, I think there's been a gap in um, the spiritual heart of America um, because the kind of legacy Christianity does not work for everyone even though it still works for some. And I think we're going to see some kind of um, reemergence of what it means to be spiritual. And that'll come through all different, uh, you know, belief systems. Um, but I think that's something that, that we're likely to see as, as psychedelics um, integrate into society more. 
Definitely. And I think you guys are doing a great job to begin to break down like boundaries and connect more people, especially with the, of course, the peer to peer, um, uh, hotline that you guys have going. So, um, with that, I just, um, we don't want to thank you for your time and for coming on here, uh, to tell us more about the, the fireside project. And if people are interested, they can check out the fireside project, uh, .org. That's your website. Do you guys want to throw out any links out there? Um, I, I think that's like, I mean, that that is a central place to find all the uh, the information. You can subscribe to our newsletter there. And we're also on um, social media, um, such as LinkedIn, uh, well, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, um, if folks want to follow us there too. Okay. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'll just say, uh, I'd encourage everyone to download the app. It's a really light little app. And uh, if you ever need it, it's better to have it rather than uh, being in the throes of a deep psychedelic experience and trying to search Google or navigate through the Play Store, um, you know, or the App Store. The, the app makes it very easy. You just open it and you click call or text and there you are. Awesome. Get the app and uh, visit firesideproject.org. Uh, well, thank you again, Wesley. Thank you, Katie, for giving me your time. And to everyone listening, check out the Fireside Project. Um, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey there. If you enjoyed this episode, well, green light. New episodes of The Dose of Caesar come out every week, so make sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you feel that more people should listen to this podcast and share this episode with your tribe. If you want to connect with me, or if you just want some extra doses of Cesar, of Caesar, of Cesarine Pingui, then you can sign up for my free weekly email newsletter called The Caesar Encyclopedia, where I share what I learn every week. Or... You can reach out to me on Instagram at the dose of Caesar. We'll see you next time.